This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. We have a lot to talk about about the politics right here at home since MPPs returned to work last week after a throne speech that promised an 8% rebate on your hydro costs. Now, that promise doesn't seem to be cutting it with voters. Kathleen Wynne was booed at a plowing match yesterday. Take a listen. It's very important that we understand that things like electricity costs, and we are working to bring those electricity costs down. I know, I know. <laughs> I, hear, I hear a mixed response to that. Well, so at the moment, those hydro rates are the hot-button issue, and I'm here with the person who actually first raised them as an issue, NDP leader Andrea Horwath. Thank you so much for joining us. It's absolutely my pleasure, Libby. Okay, before we get to you, let's give out the numbers again because I'm sure our listeners will have questions for you. It's 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. I'm here with Andrea Horvath. And uh, welcome. So uh, what is your take on on the hydro issue? And, And do you feel that the Liberals have somehow appropriated your issue? Well, you know, it's the people's issue, really. It's uh, the, the, the bottom line is folks have been worried about this for a very long time. Uh, the heat in the summer has, um, I think, exacerbated things, if you will. And people are telling me everywhere I go across Ontario that the bills are too high. They can't make ends meet. Uh, and particu- particularly with electricity, uh, they're they're concerned. The throne speech was an opportunity for the government to to bring some big changes forward. And instead, uh, they've uh, taken, taken a small step with this uh, HST off of the hydro bills, but uh, it's it's not enough. Uh, there needs to be a lot more. And one of the most important things is to stop selling off our public asset, Hydro One, and 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 keep that in public hands. Uh, so uh, there are a lot of people who oppose that sale, but the the government says they need that money. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing because the financial accountability officer, who's an independent watchdog, says exactly the opposite. He says it's absolutely the worst way uh, to uh, to raise money. A, a one-time uh, infusion of, of dollars uh, into the uh, into the coffers is not the best way uh, to uh, finance infrastructure projects. And uh, the government um, has to admit that their plan for a I think it's something like 160 billion dollars of of infrastructure, less than one percent will be paid for by the sell-off of Hydro One. And so it really isn't about infrastructure. It's a, it's about a, a, the government's decision to do something that's going to hurt people. Now, one of the things that other people have brought up, uh, just, okay, so the government uh, entered into some really bad overpriced contracts. Uh, should the government be trying to reopen these? Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, we did see that with uh, Samsung was one of the examples of where the government uh, was so roundly criticized in the sweetheart deal that they gave them uh, that they themselves initiated a review of that contract and were able to save hundreds of millions of dollars. And so obviously there's a problem. But it's even deeper than that because it's not just recent contracts that are a problem. I mean, for the last uh, couple of decades, both liberals and conservatives have been uh, more 
and more privatizing our sources of electricity in this province. And, and we're tied into some pretty uh, uh, long-term contracts that are worrisome. So one of the things we've said is that absolutely has to happen. There has to be a full review of all of those contracts to see where and if uh, we can get a better deal for Ontarians. Um, yeah. Um, you know, what are you hearing from people? What is it that they want to see happen with these hydro rates? Well, I mean, they want to see the hydro rates down for a couple of reasons. I mean, folks are, they're worried about their own situation. They're worried uh, that they are not going to be able to make ends meet, that, uh, uh, you know, the bills are getting uh, uh, higher, the wages are flat, folks just uh, can't uh, uh, seem to uh, uh, to keep, um, you know, to keep things going. They're, they're, people feel like they're hitting a wall in some ways. Uh, and, and the other piece is, though, they're also really worried about the next generation. They're worried about their kids. They're worried about their grandkids and, and what it is that we're leaving them uh, in, in terms of uh, an Ontario that's unaffordable and, and doesn't have much opportunity. But I mean, it doesn't have to be that way. We can turn things around, but it's going to be, be uh, mean big changes need to occur. And, and I think mostly people are just really darn disappointed. They're disappointed because uh, this is not what they voted for. This is not what they expected from this premier. She's, she's not who she said she was going to be. And folks are really, really disappointed with that. Okay. I am here with NDP leader Andrea Horvath. We're talking about hydro rates. We're talking about all the other issues facing us in the province now that the MPPs have returned to work. We want to hear from you. What are your issues? What would you like to see happening at Queen's Park? The numbers to call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. it it was looking like there was a lot of uh, dissatisfaction with the Liberal government. Uh, Is that what you're detecting? Sure. I mean, it's it's, certainly the hydro issue is big, which we already talked about, but it's more than that. People are concerned about the health care system. It's not meeting their needs. People aren't getting access to the home care that they need to be able to either take care of themselves or to uh, provide with some help taking care of their parents. Uh, it's, it's, uh, It's a very worrisome situation. They're worried about the state of our hospitals. Uh, there's a huge backlog in uh, uh, in um, kind of maintenance in our hospitals, and uh, hospitals are crumbling. While at the same time, wait li- wait lists are up and wait times are up in emergency wards. Uh, I mean, I've talked to folks who who are waiting, for example, for a hip surgery, uh, and because they've been waiting for over a year, uh, it's really impacting their lives. They, they can't do the things they love anymore, like their gardening, for example. I met a, uh, an older fellow in London where he was just his wife, in fact, was beside herself because she couldn't wait for summer so he would get out of the house and do the gardening uh, which he loved so much and then uh, he just couldn't do it because the wait the wait list you, was so long you mentioned home care uh, mm-hmm. we had a, a heartbreaking call from a listener on on Friday and his wife needs constant care he gets seven hours of respite care to do everything that needs to be done grocery shopping repairs dealing with all of that and incredibly we're trying to follow up on this he told me that Someone had fallen on his property and he was being sued and uh, CCAC refused to give him extra care so he could be in court. Oh, my goodness. So it's seven hours in a week? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, that's and, and the, he's seventy six. I mean, he yeah. sounded like he was at the end of his rope. Sure, I mean, our, fa- our we're relying on our families even more because the healthcare system's not there for us when we need it. And then our caregivers, our family caregivers, are then becoming ill, uh, becoming stressed, injuring themselves because they're taking too much on. Uh, you know, this is not a, this is not new that that we were going to get to a situation where we'd have you know a greater uh, growing population of uh, people who are hitting their you know seventies and and needing that extra care. And yet the government's um, kind of been AWOL on, on the healthcare system. And that's that's problematic because it's one of the fundamentals that people expect their government to be able to provide is decent healthcare. We have, uh, we have a government that's really lost um, sight of what some of the most important pieces are for people. And, and that's not what people voted for. Okay, let's go to the phones. Our callers are waiting. We've got Frank in Toronto. Hi, Frank. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Okay, a couple of issues that I'm looking at. Insurance rates, I'm not happy with what happened there. Um, I, I think they've dropped 15% and raised them 30 Are you referring to car insurance? I, I mean, rates, even the commercial rates for trucks and everything, I'm really not happy with the way they handle that situation. And uh, as far as the, uh, I'm just wondering what, what this all that thinks of a guaranteed income supplement. That you know takes away the ABCPP and uh, everything, and just gives everybody an income uh, guaranteed income, especially for old seniors who are uh, really falling behind uh, on the pension plan. Okay, Frank, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go, and you can listen to uh, Ms. Horvath's answer because your phone line is really noisy. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, well, thanks, Frank, for the for the uh, comments on the insurance. Uh, it's it is definitely problematic, and and unfortunately, we have a government that decided to make changes to the insurance system, but those changes actually benefit the industry more than they benefit the consumer, and that's uh, not certainly what uh, the Liberals promised when when frankly they uh, negotiated with us on a on a you know on a budget, and it's extremely disappointing to see a, a premier completely go back on her word when it came to dealing with the insurance issues because, again, coverage is now lower for folks. Basic coverage is lower, and yet rates continue to climb. And you're, you know, it's not just your imagination. That's happening everywhere. Do you, do you feel uh, betrayed? And is that going to uh, determine how you deal with should the need ever arise to negotiate with the government again? Well, you know, it's uh, we don't know. We can't predict the future, but certainly we've learned a lot, uh, both myself as an individual, but I think the people of Ontario have learned a lot about um, about how this government and how this Premier handles things because the decisions that are being made uh, don't look a lot like what she talked about during the campaign, and certainly car insurance rates is one. Uh, but you know what? On the basic income issue, uh, Frank, I guess, you know... Federal. Maybe, yeah, well, you know, yeah. And in fact, the Liberals here in, in the province have said that they're uh, they've they've put out a, a, a um, you know an off an ask uh, to Hugh Siegel to put together uh, an opportunity to look at different models of a basic income. They're calling it basic income, but it's the same idea as a as a you know a supplement or a, um, a guaranteed income. And we don't know what that's going to look like. I mean, I've met with Mr. Siegel. He's got some great ideas. He's going to offer the government, a, I think, a, a kind of a list of different types of opportunities to, to take this issue on and, and perhaps do some pilot projects. But it's all, uh, at this point, on the drawing board. There's nothing 
there's nothing you know that we can talk specifically about. Uh, but certainly, I think Frank's um, kind of comment really reflects this feeling that people have that they're really worried about the future. Uh, you know, as I said, the bills are going up, and it's not just hydro. Bills are going up, and particularly seniors, like people are on fixed incomes. Uh, some have a decent pension, many, many, many don't. Yep. And they're relying on CPP and uh, and all of that stuff, uh, GIS, and and it's just not enough to pay the bills. Okay, uh, we have to take a quick break, but uh, we'll be right back after the break. We're going to be taking more of your questions for NDP leader Andrea Horvath. So hang on, callers. Back after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I'm here with special guest, NDP leader, Andrea Horvath. She is taking your calls and answering your questions as we talk about the new session of the legislature. We're going to go uh, right to the phones. We've got Deborah in Georgetown. Hello, Deborah. Yes, hi, Libby. Hi, Andrea. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you, Deborah? Not too bad. Um, I'm just uh, commenting about uh, the Premier being booed at her latest uh, show um, I'm actually insulted that she thinks we don't understand. Um, she seems to think we're stupid out here, giving us back 8% of our own money and then capping and trading behind it. Uh, I don't know if she ever gets to Facebook to check out the National Post site, the Star site, the Sun site. Um, I'm not- sure her people do. <laughs> and, and we're not stupid out here, and she seems to think we are. And and then sin- selling off hydro, one, um, I, I just don't know where her thought process is, and I'm wondering if the NDP uh, has any plans to somehow stop them, um, because a lot of us are scared out here. Well, just to before Andrea answers that, uh, as we uh, said on a show here last week, um, there is a lawsuit uh, launched by the union, and uh, I guess that's one avenue, and Ms. Horvath... Right. Sure. I mean, so you're right, Libby. QP, uh, Canadian Union of Public Employees, did uh, launch a lawsuit against the government uh, based on malfeasance, uh, basically saying that the government didn't have a mandate to sell it off. They didn't tell the public they were going to sell it off, and it's a public asset that should have, uh, there should be a mandate uh, to sell it off. But I find it interesting, Deborah, that you use the word scared, uh, because lots of people are feeling that way. They feel kind of like we're hitting some kind of a wall, right? We're hitting some kind of a wall, and big changes have to happen to turn the ship around if we're going to if we're going to actually be able to uh, to continue to have a decent quality of life and and also that our kids and grandkids are going to be able to to do well and have a, a positive and hopeful future here in Ontario. And uh, I think that's a bit scary. I mean the only way you know when a liberal lies is when they open their mouth. Um, <laughs> everything since Dalton was in has been a lie after lie and now we're stuck with we can't get her out of there until the next election. And, and that's absolutely true. But but to answer that question you asked about, you know, can we do anything? We're working really hard. I mean, we yeah. were in question period this morning and again, hammering the government and particularly uh, asking them to just hold off now. You, As you said, the next election's in 2018. The yeah. very least the government can do is stop selling off any more shares. We, we, they've sold off 30% of Hydro One already um, and they don't have that mandate. So I asked her today again in question period, will she commit? to not sell off any further shares and allow the people uh, to make a decision that they should have been able to make uh, last time around. Well, okay. Please keep fighting. Thank okay. you. Thank you very much. Uh, okay. Let's go to Jim in Hanover. Hi, Jim. Hi. Um, I just wanted to comment. In our local paper, we have uh, rural Ontario in crisis due to high hydro rates. 
Yep. And it goes on to say nearly 60,000 customers had their hydro cut off for non-payment in 2015. And that came from the Ontario Energy Board. Those figures came from them. So, you know, it's funny. When you guys down there in the city sit down and eat, your food comes from the rural areas. When you have your bacon and eggs, where do you think the food comes from? It comes from here up in the sticks. Where we oh, live and you can't have We wouldn't call it that. Together. <laughs> so, you know, and uh, that train thing they're going to put in the subway, all that sand and gravel, it all comes from the rural area, the low-density areas. So this is what we supply to the big cities, and yet my hydro is uh, twice as much to deliver it as it is to, for what I use. No, you're, you know what, Jim, uh, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. Um, there's no doubt that, uh, that cities, you know, there's that, uh, that, that saying, right? Uh, farmers, uh, farms, farms feed cities or farmers feed cities, and that's absolutely true. And you're right to mention the uh, aggregate sector as well, because that's uh, certainly part of rural Ontario. And, and again, the, the, what, what the Premier heard yesterday at the International Plowing Match what, what, and what we've been hearing uh, for some time now uh, is that frustration from particularly from um, from rural Ontario and uh, uh, and from the north, frankly, which is that that folks just can't take it anymore, and and they're they're not able to have a decent quality of life, and yet that life is exactly what uh, feeds, if you will, or sustains uh, the people who are living in urban settings. But you know, it's it's certainly the electricity rate. But I've also heard from uh, uh, from rural communities and some, from small towns real concerns about their healthcare system and the lack of equitable healthcare access to healthcare. Pressure on hospitals to shut down emergency wards or to shut down the, the uh, uh, obstetrician gynecologist sections which do the birthing of children, um, it's schools loss of high schools um, you know if we don't have agricultural and rural communities and small towns that actually provide health care and education how are we going to sustain the next generation of farmers? Exactly Yep, good question, thanks for your call Jim Thank you Okay, uh, let's go to Rita in Burlington Hi Rita um, hi, Libby. How are you? Fine, thanks. Libby, my comment was, I agree with um, everything that Ms. Horvath has been saying, but my question is, other than calling Kathleen Wynne's office or your representative, your local representative, as citizens, what can we do? Because it really seems with the majority, you know, government, things are not going to change until the election. And then, um, to quote someone else, you know, I am scared of what's going to happen with hydro, the cost of hydro, health care, um, the, you know, new tax that's being put on our gas starting in January. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right about one thing, you know, the province gave them a majority government. And once they have that, um, you know, <laughs> they can basically do what they want. No, it's, I mean, it's true. And that's what's it's frustrating for folks, for sure, Rita. It really, really is. And what, um, you know, so you, you've got it right. I mean, at the, the very least, you know, contact your representative in Burlington. I'm pretty sure you have a liberal representative. Yes, we um, do. Yeah. And so it's important to contact, I guess it would be Eleanor McMahon. Uh, you, you need to let her know how you're feeling because uh, what happens is then that feedback then goes to the premier. And I can tell you that I'm certain that the 8% rebate, the temporary rebate that the government talked about in terms of the getting the HST off uh, of the bills, uh, which will come, unfortunately, not until January. Um, but 
that was pressure that she felt, uh, that the government felt and the premier felt from people like you who were calling their MPPs. And those MPPs went back to the premier and said, look, we're, you know, we're getting negative feedback everywhere we turn about our hydro bills. We have to do something. Um, so it, it does actually make a difference in, in some ways. Uh, uh, but, but certainly calling the government, uh, calling the MPPs, calling the, um, uh, the, uh, the, um, kind of the, um, uh, the other MPPs, so not just yeah. uh, just not not just your representative, but some of the opposition folks are always okay. glad to the hear critics. from you. And there's there's there you know there's there's all kinds of things going on. Like there are there are little there are literally little groups being set up in communities across this province to try to fight for the, the further the, sell off of hydro. The, bottom, it's the bottom line is is you know you have to I guess become an activist if it's important to you. That's the only way change happens. Yeah, Rita. That's- what prompted my call today. So how do we find out where all these little groups are? Because as an individual, it almost seems overwhelming to try to, you know, do that type of organization. So well, how would I find that out? Well, if you if you have uh, access to the internet, yeah. um, there's you can just uh, Google, you know, stop the sell-off, for example, and you'll okay. get a bunch of websites. Uh, 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 Hydro Not For Sale. There's one, I know one group for, for certain, it's called hydronotforsale.ca, and you can you know, go on their website. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of, of folks that are doing this work. Okay, Rita, okay, thank you thank for your you. call. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Dennis in Brampton. Hi, Dennis. Thank you for taking my call, Libby, and uh, hello, Andrea. Hello, Dennis. So I, I guess my thought is, and I, I have much of the same concerns that you've nicely articulated and some of the callers have supported. I, I'm concerned, however, that I, I don't hear a lot from... Um, from your party or Mr. Brown's party in terms of how they're going to uh, address some of these issues in terms of funding the infrastructure needs uh, in Ontario, which is part of what we're told is the reason for the sell-off of uh, hydro. And uh, secondly, uh, I'm curious, short of reviewing contracts, how either party intends to reduce hydro costs when... Uh, there are some bigger, bigger issues, nuclear energy plants, for example, that are contributing to these costs. And I don't, I don't hear anything coming from uh, yourself or Mr. Mr. Brown. I'll let you I'll let you respond. Sure, Dennis, and I appreciate that. Um, certainly, it's uh, it's tough for the opposition to get our message out on a consistent uh, basis when we don't have the machinery that the government has in terms of communications. But uh, but I can uh, you can rest assured that on the issues of uh, of of the hydro piece, we have been bringing a number of things uh, to the table, and we've made a number of commitments. Uh, and certainly, the uh, the 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 biggest one is to actually. Sp- if we were to form a government, uh, other than taking the kind of obvious, uh, you know, sales tax off, which is just a small initial step, uh, but we need to actually do that work. We need to engage the financial accountability officer and the auditor general of this province in doing exactly what you described, reviewing the contracts. And look, I'm not naive. I know you can't tear up a contract. We saw what happened when they teared up uh, the contracts uh, with the gas plants. Uh, We cannot put uh, Ontarians in that situation again. However, we can certainly try to negotiate better deals 
deals for the people. When it comes to the nuclear plants, I mean, you, you've you've got a great uh, you're on a great uh, issue there because one of the things that we're quite concerned about is that uh, the government uh, has gone ahead with uh, with um, you know making plans to refurbish uh, some of our nuclear generating plants without putting a proper business case in place. And so, th- th- I mean, those things can actually end up costing a heck of a lot of no money, kidding. as people know. At the very least, let's put the business case in, in place uh, that shows that we need to do that uh, and that we have a good handle on it. Uh, and when it comes to the infrastructure dollars, look, I mean, this government has spent uh, $8 billion more than they needed to in the way that they contract uh, the infrastructure that we already have. And this is not me. This is the Financial Accountability Officer and the Auditor General, very critical, uh, sorry, that particularly the Auditor General, identified the $8 billion uh, that, and that $8 billion would go a long way uh, to uh, helping with the infrastructure deficit. All that Hydro One sell-off is going to bring uh, is less than 1% of the $160 billion of infrastructure that the government wants to build. So how would you fund it? Well, I mean, there are there are ways to, to fund infrastructure. I mean, the easiest way for the government to borrow money and the cheapest money is, is by the government. I mean, the government can borrow at rates much, much cheaper than the private sector. And this is one of the things that the Gen- Auditor General uh, has said, as well as the Financial Accountability Officer, uh, is that uh, that you the, the kind of P3s that the government has been engaged in have overestimated the value of the risk, the financial risk, and have paid through we've paid through the nose for projects uh, because we've put, we've put a premium on on the cost of the risk that's probably about thirty percent, where it should be about eight percent. So it's problematic. Okay. Uh, let's try to take in uh, one or two more calls. We've got Ron in Guelph. Hi, Ron. Hi. Um, this is a question for Andrew. This is um, beating an old drum, but she's leader of the NDP, which has traditionally been um, a Labour Party. Um, I'm going back to the person in my writing, Liz Sandals, um, shortly after the election when she donated, I use that term loosely, <laughs> three-quarters of a million dollars to the teachers' union for negotiating costs. Now, any union executive that I've been on, and I've been a couple of them, that was not regular business. Um, I don't understand why the government would be donating to the negotiating costs of the teachers' union. Well, I mean, I, uh, I don't know either, Ron, to be honest with you, but I, neither you nor I sat at those tables and negotiated those deals. So, so we really don't know where that, you know, where that uh, originated from, that extra, extra kind of bonus, uh, if you will. And, uh, but what I, what I can say is this, though. I mean, the, the government uh, has had a pretty rocky relationship with uh, the educators of our province, and uh, uh, they've dragged them through some pretty nasty, uh, uh, you know, places in terms of Bill uh, 115 and then... Uh, and then the the bill that they had to put forward to kind of make up for that, and then the rocky negotiations that took place as a result, uh, they have um, created a lot of chaos in our school system. And of course, now we find out kids can't even get to school with the school bus situation. Oh dear, You've got yeah. schools that are falling apart, where where kids, where teachers have to bring their own air, bring their own air conditioners into the classroom because the kids are fainting from the heat. Um, you know, education is one of the fundamentals. I mean, just like healthcare, education is one of the fundamentals, and uh, the the education system. In, a, in, in quite a mess right now. Okay, uh, Ron, thank you very much for your call. Uh, 
We only have uh, less than a minute left. So um, final thought, Andrea Horvath? I just want to say, Libby, thank you so much for uh, allowing me to be here and talk to some of your listeners. I've really enjoyed it. It's great to see how engaged people are uh, in what's happening in the province of Ontario. And I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. It's gone too fast. Okay, well, we've really enjoyed it too. And I hope that you'll come back sometime soon. You just need to invite me and I'll be here. Okay, great. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.